Blog Talk Radio. Well, praise the Lord, everybody, and welcome again to Anointed and Appointed Word Ministries with Brother Norman Woodard. I am Brother Norman, and I'll be sharing an anointed and appointed word that will change, challenge, and charge your character to make an impact in this world for the kingdom of God and our Father in heaven. I'd like to send special thanks to Bishop Stephen and Ann Butterfield, who allows me to come before you every Saturday morning and break bread with you. Amen. They have a program which comes on every Saturday evenings at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And the name of their program is Turn On The Light Broadcast. Turn On The Light Broadcast with Bishop Stephen and Ann Butterfield, which comes on every Saturday evenings at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. They're also the assistant pastors at Light of the World Christian Tabernacle International in Stockbridge, Georgia, where the leaders are Archbishop Ruth W. Smith, who is also the co-founder, and the senior pastor is Pastor Oshabal Hartman with his wife, Lady E. Hartman. They have services every Sunday morning beginning at 9 a.m. with Sunday school, and 10 a.m. begins their worship service. They have Bible studies every Wednesday, actually every Wednesday at noon Eastern Standard Time. You can call into this number, 917-388-4161, and listen to the Bible study live. They also have Bible studies every Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time at their location. That's Light of the World Christian Tabernacle International in Stockbridge, Georgia. You can catch them on Facebook, YouTube, and the website is comingtothelight.org. That's comingtothelight.org. Well, thank you once again for calling in. Actually, this morning, we're going to have a guest speaker, my big brother, as I called him, my brother-in-law, George House Moore. The minister, George House Moore, all the way from Clinton, Mississippi, going to be sharing the word with you this morning. So we're going to hear a song, and after the song, the next voice you will hear will be Minister George House Moore. Standing at a crossroads, what do you do? Real sweet, when a fork is in the road. When the world is on your shoulders. When your back is up against the wall. Come on. What do you do? What do you do? You hold on. You hold on. And keep the faith. And keep the faith. Tell somebody on your own. Stay. Keep the faith. Come on. Tell somebody sitting around you. Keep the faith. Encourage somebody else. Keep the faith. Come on, where do you look? When there's nowhere else to look. When there's nowhere else to look. 
where do you turn? When there's nowhere else to turn. Where do you go? When there's nowhere else to go. What do you do? When there's nothing else to do. You got to remember, you're in the master's hand. And the master has a plan. So hold on.
like you. No one else can touch my heart like you do. I can search throughout eternity, Lord. In my eyes, there is none like you. There is none like you. No one else can touch my heart like you do. I can search throughout eternity, Lord. In my eyes, there is none. There is none. There is none like you. Good morning, good morning, good morning to my podcast family. Thank you so very much for allowing me to be here this morning. First, I want to give thanks to my brother-in-law, Mr. Norman Woodard, my sister-in-law, Miss Stephanie Woodard, for opening up their home so graciously unto us and pretty much treating us like royalty. I'm very honored and grateful unto them for for such. I want to lift up unto you also in thanking my wife Tasha for being who she is and anointed sister of Christ who supports me and loves me unconditionally. To our children, Gabriel and Imani, we love y'all very much and continue to pray God's covering upon the both of you. I bring you greetings from Clinton, Mississippi. Yes, the MI Crooked, where I am under the leadership of Pastor Dale McCurder at Pleasant Green Missionary Baptist Church, located in, yes, Clinton, Mississippi, where we are a church exemplifying Christian love. Thank you so very much for receiving us. I come this morning uh, to share a word that was given unto me. And I just want to expound on it a little bit today. And I'll be reading some different passages and talking about those as well. And if you hear something crunching or something like that, that's just me flipping pages. <laughs> so let me go ahead and put that out there right now. But uh, what I came up with today is um, subject-wise says the exercise of faith. It would be coming from First uh, Samuel chapter thirteen and fourteen uh, to look at the faith of David a little bit, and Daniel chapter one verses one through fifteen to look at the faith of Daniel a little bit, and then Job chapter one verses one through twelve. But I will be digging a little bit deeper. Uh, also with uh, Job. So let us go before the throne of grace and mercy and prayer. Father God in heaven, thank you so very much for your mercy and your grace that you extend unto each of us so willingly and freely. 
Take it not for granted, Father God, all you have done and what you continue to do. I pray, Father, now that I would decrease, that you will increase within me. That the words that I speak be yours. And that the glory that will come forth be yours and yours alone. For you are my strength and my redeemer. I thank you right now, Lord God, for this opportunity to bring glory to your name. I truly, truly am grateful unto you for all you've done and what you continue to do. Now, Lord God, as we go forth this morning, let our hearts and minds be on one accord with you before we may be on one accord with each other in the giving of this word, in the meditation of this word, in the hearing of this word, that we may adhere unto this word in our daily living. We love you. We give you the glory, the honor, and the praise in the mighty and master's name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We ask and pray. Amen. Now, the exercise of faith, a discussion of David, Daniel, and Job. You know, I like saying the exercise of faith because I feel that's exactly what it is. It's an exercise, mm-hmm. a lifelong exercise. And if done the right way, it produces an eternal benefit for you. You see, the exercise of faith builds character, stamina. you got to be dedicated to it in order for it to work for you. Daily exercising your faith, nurturing your faith, cultivating your faith, And then when it gets tested, seeing the fruit of your faith come to pass. In Matthew chapter 17, verse 20, it says, And Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, If ye have faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place. And it shall be removed. And nothing shall be impossible unto you. Hmm. So so in other words, just having an itty bitty, teeny weeny, little bit of faith can work a huge miracle in your life. And guess what? Hmm. I signed up for that. Yes, sir. Thank you very much. Okay, but hold on a minute. Hold, hold, hold on just a minute, lest I forget that in James chapter 2, verse 26, he also says, For if the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. Mm-hmm. So now we see James is rebuking those who claim to have faith in Christ, but don't show it by the good works. So there's some exercise. Good works to be done in and with your faith. Let's have a brief look at the faith of David. Now, I'm about to say a very familiar passage of Scripture that all of us should be very familiar with. But what's even more impressive, though, is the fact that this is what 
God said directly about David. God said that David was a man after his own heart. Matter of fact, it says, and I'll be reading Christian Standard Bible. Says, but now your reign will not endure. The Lord has found a man after his own heart. And the Lord has appointed him as ruler over his people. Because you have not done what the Lord commanded. Mm, my Lord, my Lord. We can just drop the mic right there. And we see in here, this is what Saul was not obedient Unto the word of the Lord, unto what the Lord had instructed him. And so now the Lord has to remove Saul and appoint David. Because David, the Lord called him a man after his own heart. And when you hear that, I know it goes out like, how, 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 how can someone become a, a, a man after God's own heart? What 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 are the requirements? What, what, uh, how does someone attain that? How how, how does that happen? Because I also know you, you know what, what what you're thinking about is also about what the things that David partook of. Okay, but God did not just rest in that part of his life. God looks clear into a person's heart. And that's where he makes his assessment at. Listen, because David was faithful to the Lord, he was repentant when he did wrong. Mm -hmm. And he loved the Lord with all his heart. Just like us, David was not perfect by any means. When he sinned, he sinned in a big way. However, we have to be careful not to think of his story as one man's isolated sin. For we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 3, verse 23 and 24. See, this is the story. Every man, woman, boy, and girl, and the complex behavior that surrounds our sinful actions. When David compromises the gospel, when he compromised the gospel, he shows the deepest struggle of every man to live by the word of God. Mm. However, out of all of his examples of sin and great repentance, there are many, many lessons we can learn from David. We can see the hand of God moving throughout David's life, from his defeat of Goliath to the anointing and the fall of Saul and the threat on David's life. But through it all, hallelujah, through it all, David continually showed obedience to God. See, he continually showed obedience unto God. David knew when he had fallen. David knew when he made mistakes. David knew when he was wrong. And it was quickened in his heart to repent of sin and to make amends and come before the Lord in a spirit of humbleness, in a spirit of meekness. 
See, he understood the character of God. Yes. And he understood God's justice. David also understood God's mercy. And that God's mercy was always and every time a matter of divine prerogative. Let me read that one more time. That, 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 David, he understood God's mercy was always and every time a matter of divine prerogative. God gives his mercy where he wants to. It's his mercy to give. It's his prerogative of who he gives it to. And when God sees a David, when God sees someone who honestly and purely has a repentant heart and seeks him with the love and the grace and the attitude that pleases God, Oh, he gonna <laughs> he gonna unload some mercy on him. Listen to this. Listen to this. See, David, theologian, who understood the nature of grace, which is one of the hardest things we ourselves have to learn. Grace, God's grace, not receiving exactly what you deserve. Our problem is. That we always want to receive grace. Hmm. But somehow. We can't seem to extend grace. Something wrong with that picture. You see our world is desperately in need. Of role models. Worth following. People of integrity. Whose lives inspire us to do better. Who inspire each of us. To build one another up. And not tear one another down. To stand in the gap. And pray for that brother or sister. Who just couldn't pray for themselves. To have the faith. And resolve. To stand on what you know to be just. And true. Despite the naysayers. Despite the setbacks. And doubters. Okay, 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 all right, all right. I, I know I, I know what you're saying. Uh, Brother Moore, I don't know about all that. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not special. I, I'm not equipped like them folks in the Bible. I don't have none of that in me. But, oh, on the contrary, because the devil is a lie, and the truth ain't in it. Remember now, the people of the Bible were ordinary people. Just like you and I, they were struggling. They were tempted, confused, and yes, sometimes fallen. Ordinary people used by God to do extraordinary things. And using their faith to do so. Now, this is especially true of King David. David distinguished himself as one of God's greats. In battle, he modeled invincible 
confidence. In his decision making, he judged with wisdom and equity. In loneliness, he wrote with transparent vulnerability and quiet trust. Yes. And in friendship, he was loyal to the end. Whether as a humble shepherd boy or an obscure musician before King Saul, David remained faithful and trustworthy. Even in his promotion to the highest position in the land, David modeled integrity and humility. But again, however, he was anything but perfect now. Having earned the public's trust and respect as king, David forfeits it off in a brief season of sensual pleasure. Now with the consequences of his actions on the horizon, we see another side of David's makeup is exposed. Lustfulness as a husband, weakness as a father, impartiality as a leader. And yet in spite of all these flaws, in spite of all of his misdeeds, in spite of all of his shortcomings, God claims him to be a man after his own that's good news, people. That is very good news. Because I know somebody out there is feeling as if whatever they may have said, whatever they may have done, whatever they may be currently doing, disqualifies them to be a child of God. Everyone has faults. Everyone has shortcomings. Everyone Seeks to achieve. Everyone seeks to be in right standing. But we do stumble a bit. But it's good to know that the Lord will not hold that against you forever. His grace won't allow it. His mercy won't allow it. Now it's up to us to accept it and receive it. Forgive ourselves. And seek his face. See, David was a man with a tremendous relationship with God. Mm-hmm. He was a very complex man, capable of both the highest loyalty and the most base sin. In David, we see the very best and the very worst in the human species. What, everybody? Getting to know David allows us to get to know ourselves. I personally feel that there are some David found in all of us. A part of us striving to be that man or woman God has called us to be. David's life raises many life-changing questions. For anyone who, like David, wants to be a person after God's own heart, how can I be forgiven and restored after sin? How can I continue to be faithful to God when nothing seems to be going my way? How can I find God when I feel all alone? Remember what we said earlier? 
Get your exercise on. Exercise your faith. See, although he was a great man, David was far from being perfect. Yet he lived a life with strengths worth emulating. However imperfect David was, the fact remains he did humble himself before God in love, obedience, and worship to which God commanded him for, commended him for. You see, you and I must be willing to do God's will. David's life is a testimony of a life well lived and found pleasing to the Lord. A life built on faith and love of God. Amen. Mm. That's some good stuff right there, family. That's some good stuff. You know what? Let, let, let's move on a bit. Let, let, let's see what we can discover about the faith of Daniel. Because one thing we know for sure is that Daniel served God and God alone. He served God faithfully with joy and gladness. Daniel always gives credit to God for what blessings or miracles happen to him. In other words, Daniel knew the true source of his blessings. Let's see right here. James 1 and 17. Let me, let me do my little flipping here if y'all don't mind. James 1 and 17. Christian standing Bible says, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, who does not change like shifting. See, Daniel understood that. He understood where his blessings came from. Mm -hmm. He understood exactly where they came from. Every good and perfect gift is from above. God seeks to be good. God, God, God so anxiously <laughs> seeks to, to be good and do good. And for those who demonstrate his his, his precepts and his and what he does and what he says, he is so ready to just openly be good and bless them. Listen to this. See, it wasn't anything that Daniel had done on his own. But it was through the exercising of his faith that God blessed him. Whether it was his interpretation of dreams, or to the lion's mouth being shut up. Daniel is never short of a word giving praise to God for what he has done. Changing the circumstances that he found himself in. See, anybody out there in podcast land ever needed the Lord to change your situation or your circumstance? I know somebody's calling on the Lord right now for a change. Quick work, Jesus. Amen. 
But our challenge is once the declaration is made, is to remain faithful while we wait. The book of Daniel is about how God's people are to live during the times of the Gentiles. As such, Daniel was one of the first exiles to Babylon as God allowed the Jews to be overtaken due to their sin and rebellion against him. So now Daniel is in captivity against his will. And he encounters a great many challenges. From being stripped of his heritage, his name, and his homeland. King Nebuchadnezzar had Daniel, along with three of his friends, trained to serve him in his royal court. To learn the Chaldean language and to eat from the king's table. That's that's a whole whole lot right there to 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 have to deal with. And especially when we're talking about uh, a young man. See, Daniel, if I'm not mistaken, I think Daniel's still like a teenager uh when all this is taking place. So he's faced with all these things. All, all these things, but he was ever faithful, ever faithful unto the Lord. See, Daniel was determined not to defile himself with the king's food. And God granted Daniel favor with the chief eunuch who was in charge over him. You see, God will keep you no matter where you are. Daniel remained faithful to God in spite of the obstacles and challenges he was faced with. We are to do no less. Listen to this. Listen, just give me a moment. Give me a moment. Listen to this. Daniel chapter 1. Doing my little flipping, y'all. Daniel chapter 1, verses 1 through 15. (laughs) So, it says, In the third year of the reign of King Joachim of Judah, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came to Jerusalem and laid siege to it. The Lord handed King Jehoiakim of Judah over to him, along with some of the vessels from the house of God. Nebuchadnezzar carried them to the land of Babylon, to the house of his God, and put the vessels in the treasury of his God. Pause just one second. Now, this man came in, ransacked this, this city. And now he's trying to take these people from their God and give them his God. <laughs> All right, let me, let me, I just wanted to highlight that. Let me move, let, let me move this up. The king ordered Aphanasaz, his chief eunuch, to bring some of the Israelites from the royal family and from the nobility. Young men without any physical defect. He wants the best, huh? Hmm. Good looking, suitable for instruction in all wisdom knowledgeable, perceptive, and capable of serving in the king's palace. He was to teach them the Chaldean language and literature. The king assigned them daily provisions from the royal food 
and from the wine that he drank. They were to be trained for three years, and at the end of that time, they were to attend the king. Among them from the Judahites were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. The chief eunuch gave them names. He gave the name Belshazzar to Daniel, Shadrach to Hananiah, Meshach to Mishael, and Abednego to Azariah. Pause one moment. You took me from my homeland. You have stripped me of my heritage. You have taken, doing your best to take my language from me. And now you're going to take my name. See, naming is very important. It's very important to us now. Highly important to to the Israelites and the Jewish tradition, especially during biblical times, because name meant something. Now you want to take my name from me. You want to take all that I know to be dear to me and just flip it upside down to make me what you want me to be and not what God has called me to be. Sound familiar? Mm. Let's keep moving a little taste here. Daniel returned out the fire and started the king's food or with the wine he drank. So he asked permission from the chief eunuch not to defile himself. God had granted Daniel kindness and compassion from the chief unit. So God with him. <laughs> God with him. And notice that God didn't just pull him out because it was God's will that be, that that Israel would be punished because of that disobedience to him. But God had favor on Daniel, and God knew exactly what Daniel was capable of and what he can do through Daniel. He granted him favor throughout this whole thing. Verse 10, yet he said to Daniel, I fear my lord the king to assign your food and drink. What if he sees your faces looking thinner than the other young men your age? You would endanger my life with the king. So Daniel said to the God whom the chief eunuch had assigned to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Nazareth, please test your servants for ten days. Let us be given vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then examine our appearance and the appearance of the young men who are eating the king's food and deal with your servants based on what you see. He agreed with them about this and tested them for 10 days. At the end of 10 days, they looked better and healthier than all the young men who were eating the king's food. So Daniel determined not to defile himself with the king's food. What did he do? He stepped out on the faith that he had in his God, the faith that he had built up over time, the faith that he had been working on day in and day out. Because his God meant that much to him, he said, I cannot defile myself. I cannot go against my Lord. He asked the chief unit to do this. Think about that for a moment. That, that, that's, some, that's some deep, strong faith. But he was 
bold enough to ask such because he knew where he stood with the Lord. He knew what God had already done before in his life, and the relationship that he had built with God was so strong as such that he knew he could depend on him to support him in this. And if you are doing as the Lord said, if you are doing his will, and he will be glorified, he said, come on there. I got you. I got you back. I got you covered. That's a beautiful thing about our Lord and Savior. We are very grateful unto him. Let me pick back up here. See, Daniel understood that God had created him special. He created him special. God has created all of us special in his eyesight. He told us that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. God don't make no jump. See, Daniel knew that his identity lay not in the ways of the Babylonian gods, but in who God created him to be. So now that raises a question. That 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 raises a question. Do you know who God has created you to be? Do you truly know how special you are? Again, God says you are fearfully and wonderfully made. That means he took his time making you. You weren't just thrown together as an afterthought. No. We have to have a willingness to honor God in all situations. There's no pick and choose. Even in the most difficult times, that's when we certainly must honor him. It's in those times that we must run to God and not from him. Think about also in this book in the book of Daniel when Daniel would pray three times a day daily Daniel prayed without question without any boom 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 when it was time to morning prayer evening prayer that's it. Daniel was on and then there was mother folk running around there hating on Daniel. Decided to try and lay a trap for him. Mm-hmm. Food the king and and, and and everything. Had the king put that decree out and no no one is to put pray to anyone else but him. And if you are found to be praying to anyone else but him, you will surely die. Don't the lines to him. Daniel was faced with that. Mm-hmm. But guess what? Daniel chose to pray unto his God. Mm-hmm. Daniel chose to remain faithful unto his God. Mm-hmm. And his God delivered him again mm-hmm. from the snare of the fowler. He kept him 
He sustained him. You see, Daniel was a man of excellent spirit, a man of purpose, a man of prayer, a man of perception, and a man of power. There are many, many great truths in the book of Daniel. And most notably, we know the one, the fiery furnace, uh, the lion's den, and so on. Uh, but like Daniel, we must walk by faith and don't just talk by faith. Wow. If we live long enough, each of us will find ourselves in a situation that seems much worse than we can bear. However, if our expectations are to are set on Jesus Christ and his providential care, we will not stumble at the thought of going through times of trial. In fact, we'll have his hope to comfort us, even in what appears to be hopeless situations. Daniel exercised his faith in God daily, and so should we. Faith is a major key to our daily living for the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, yes. Glory to the Most High God for all he has done. Yes, sir. Yes, sir, podcast family. Y'all still hanging in there with me? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right. All right. We're going to move on to our third subject. Mr. Job. Trying to take a look at the faith of Job a little bit. Let me, let me get to right, here we go. Here we go. Yeah, yes. Okay. Good old Job. Amen. We know Job is one of the godless people in the Bible who had no explanation for why he was suffering so terribly. One of the key truths to grasp from the book of Job is that we must trust God even when he is thoroughly confusing to us. <laughs> See, Job was a man with great faith in God. He prayed for his family and led a good life. See, family Job had the faith of obedience. He did what was right, and God blessed him for it. He served God with all his heart, and God was pleased with Job's life and blessed him for it. God blessed the faith of obedience because he likes to bless people. The book of Job shows us the value of patience, perseverance, and the importance of holding our tongue, not to mention God's faithfulness, restorative power, and goodness. Let's have a brief discussion to this book of Job. Amen. Let me let me let me read a little bit right here. Job chapter one verses one through twelve. Job chapter one 
verses 1 through 12. And I want to, uh, I'll be reading a little bit in uh, different spots in this book. But right now, Job chapter 1, verses 1 through 12, and I'm a key in on verse 12. And the word of the Lord reads as follows. There was a man in the country of Uz named Job. He was a man of complete integrity who feared God and turned away from evil. He had seven sons and three daughters. His estate included 7,000 sheep and goats, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 female donkeys, and a very large number of servants. Job was the greatest man among all the people of the East. Job lived in law. His sons used to take turns having banquets at their homes. They would send an invitation to their three sisters to eat and drink with them. Whenever around the banqueting was over, Job would send for his children and purify them, rising early in the morning to offer burnt offerings for all of them. But Job thought, perhaps my children have sinned, having cursed God in their hearts. This was Job's regular practice. Go, Job is covering his children. He's praying for them just in case they may have sinned against the Lord. Mercy. Verse 6. One day the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came with them. The Lord asked Satan, where have you come from? From roaming through the earth, Satan answered him, and walking around on it. Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant, Job? No one else on earth is like him, a man of perfect integrity who fears God and turns away from evil. Look here, y'all. God bragging on Job. He bragging on Job. God know what he got in Job. Let's read on. Let's read on. Satan answered the Lord, does Job fear God for nothing? Haven't you placed a head around him, his household, and everything he owns? You have blessed the work of his hands, and his possessions have increased in the land. But stretch out your hand and strike everything he owns, and he will surely curse you to your face. Verse 12. Very well, the Lord told Satan. Everything he owns is in your power. However, do not lay a hand on Job himself. So Satan left the Lord's presence. Amen. Verse 12 again. Very well, the Lord told Satan, everything he owns is in your power. However, Satan let the Lord so the Satan left the Lord's presence. Now, those prior verses, verses one through eleven, we read about how the, the 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 abundance Job has and the blessings he has. How how much cattle, homes he got, great children. Um, they pretty much banqueting and partying whenever they please and. And even after that's all done, Job takes it upon himself to rise early and give honor to God and pray for his children just in case his children may have stumbled and sinned against God. Job was covering everybody. 
And if we look at this from our own standpoint, we'll we'll be like, man, Joe, 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 I want to be like Joe. Mm-hmm. I mean, because Joe, you know, but then Satan enters the scene. Mm-hmm. He been running around the earth trying to see who he can mess up. Comes before comes to them in the meat. So I said, say, man, where you been? Man, you know why I've been been down in down in the earth trying to trying to mess up some more of your folk. Mm-hmm. Now God puts Job out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so God puts Job on blast. Do you consider him? He's a righteous and upright man. He loves me. Mm-hmm. I could put him up against anybody. I could put him up against anything you do or say. Mm-hmm. That's baby, what, where, where we at? Satan lay out, man, shoot. Of course he's doing that. Mm-hmm. You got a head around him. I can't get them. Mm-hmm. He said, but I tell you what, you move that head, I make him cuss you out. Mm-hmm. Notice this game that's been Job is an innocent bystander. Mm-hmm. Job is doing exactly what God wants him to do. Well, God trusted Job enough that he knew he could put him up against the wild and trial of Satan. So God himself unleashes Satan to Job. Now, I'm being honest with you, podcast family. When I first read this, when I first, and, and you know, I was, I was you know, young and faced then, mm-hmm. uh, I was like, man, why would God do that, man? Well, Job ain't did nothing to nobody. <laughs> why would he? Why would he do that? Mm-hmm. But then I came as I studied more and I read more, I came to realize also something that nothing comes to you that does not pass through God's fingers first. Mm-hmm. Satan had to get permission from God to even fool with Job. So I took that. I said, okay. So you you mean to tell me that I'm a child of, of God. I love God. Mm-hmm. I trust and serve God. So when a trial hits me, uh, in necess- it, it's been okay mm-hmm. by God. Mm-hmm. So therefore, if it's been okay by God, mm-hmm. he must realize that I must can. And if he okays it and he says I can handle it, Mm -hmm. I know he's going to be there with me through it. Mm -hmm. And that's the portion. I'm not going to sit here and lie. That's the part that I had to learn and realize. So therefore, when the trial hit, to not cower and and and, and seeing the war is me song. Mm-hmm. 
but I must give him praise, honor, and glory in the trial and during the trial. Because I, I, I know that it didn't hit me, but I know that you're going to bring me out of it. Mm-hmm. Amen. Mm-hmm. Let's, move, let, let's move a little bit farther here. Verses, um, verses 13 through 20, if I may. Uh, verses 13 through 20. 10 in on verse 13 through 22. So, one day, when Job's sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house, a messenger came to Job and reported, while the oxen were plowing and the donkeys grazing nearby, the Sabians swooped down and took them away. They struck down the servants with the sword, and I alone have escaped to tell you. He was still speaking when another messenger came and reported. God's fire fell from heaven. It burned the sheep and the servants and devoured them, and I alone have escaped to tell you. Uh-oh, look at here. That messenger was still speaking when yet another came and reported. The Chaldeans formed three bands, made a raid on the camels, and took them away. They struck down the servants with the sword. And I alone have escaped to tell you. Uh-oh, guess what? He was still speaking when another messenger came and reported. Your sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. Suddenly a powerful wind swept in from the desert and struck the four corners of the house. It collapsed on the young people so that they died. And I have to tell you. Then Job stood up, tore his robe and shaved his head. He fell to the ground and worshipped, saying, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will leave this life. The Lord gives, and the Lord takes away. Be the name of the Lord. Throughout all this, Job did not sin or blame God. Throughout it all. Let me ask you something. When did Job have time to pray right then? Mm. <laughs> wow. He always prayed, you know, every morning he was doing his do, but he was being hit mm. with haymakers. Mm-hmm. And then verse 22 said, but throughout all this, mm-hmm. Job did not sin mm. or blame God for anything. That's that's some great love and great faith. Yeah. Let me let me let me move a little bit further, my man. Chapter two. One day the sons of God came again to present themselves before the Lord. And Satan also came with them to present himself before the Lord. The Lord asked Satan, where have you come from? From roaming through the earth, Satan answered him and walking around on it. Then the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? No one else on earth is like him. A man of perfect integrity who fears God and turns away from evil. He still retains his integrity, even though you incited me against him. To destroy him for no good reason. Skin for skin, Satan answered the Lord. A man will give up everything he owns in exchange for his life. 
But stretch out your hand and strike his flesh and bones, and he will surely curse you to your face. Very well, the Lord told Satan, he is in your power. Only spare his life. So Satan left the Lord's presence and infected Job with terrible boils from the soles of his feet to the top of his head. Then Job took a piece of broken pottery to scrape himself while he sat among the ashes. His wife said to him, are you still holding on to your integrity? Curse God and die. You speak as a foolish woman, he told her. So we accept only good from God and not adversity throughout all this. Job did not sin in what he said. Now, when Job's three friends, Eliphaz, the Temanite, Bildad, the Shuhite, and Zophar, the Namathite, heard about all this adversity that had happened to him, each of them came from his home. They met together to go and sympathize with him and comfort him. When they looked from a distance, they could barely recognize him. They wept aloud, and each man tore his robe and threw dust into the air on his head. Then they sat on the ground with him seven days and nights, but no one spoke a word to him because they saw that his suffering, his suffering was very intense. Again, verses 9 and 10, his wife said to him, are you still holding on to your integrity? Curse God and die. Could you imagine hearing that from your spouse? Could you imagine hearing that from your spouse? I mean, that's 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 tight right there. Mm-hmm. But he said, you speak as a foolish woman. So we only accept good from the Lord and not the adversity. Mm-hmm. That's the understanding that Job had. That's the faith that he was was thriving on and living on. Mm-hmm. See? And then his friends come along. His friends come along. Mm-hmm. And at this time, they, they, weren't, they weren't saying much then. They were just observing it. But even with all that's going on, Job never lost his faith in God. Amen. Even to the extent of this statement he makes, though he slay me, mm-hmm. yet will I trust in him. But I will maintain my own ways before him. This is the kind of resolute faith we need. Mm-hmm. A faith that perseveres. Mm-hmm. The only way to lay a claim to such a faith is to take advantage of what God provides. To put on a whole arm of God. With that being said, though, we know Job did question God as to why he was suffering. Mm-hmm. See, in his eyes, he done nothing wrong. So why has God allowed these things? <laughs> God then breaks the silence and answers Job mm-hmm. in chapter 38. Mm-hmm. Give me a moment, y'all. We, we, we getting there. In chapter 38, listen to what he says. Then the Lord answered Job from the whirlwind. He said, who is this who obscures my counsel with ignorant words? Get ready to answer me like a man when I question you. You will inform me. Where were you when I established the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who fixed its dimension? Certainly you know. Who stretched the measuring line across it? What supports its foundation? Or who laid its cornerstone while the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy? Who enclosed the 
see behind doors when it burst from the womb. When I made the clouds its garment and told the darkness its blanket. When I determined its boundaries and put its bars and doors in place. When I declared you may come this far, but no farther. Your proud ways stop here. Have you ever in your life commanded the morning or assigned the dawn its place? He's the edge of the earth and shake the wicked out of it. Oh my God. Wow. See, in a sense, God's questions were an answer to Job's accusations. Not that God needed to defend himself or his actions. But as Job pressed God time and time again to tell him why he was suffering and why God was punishing him for no reason, at least for no reason as far as Job was concerned, Job's attitude became sinful as he began to see his trouble as God's grossly unfair attack on him. So God humbled Job mm-hmm. and helped him see how truly ignorant he was of God's sovereign ways. But after all of this, God restores Job. Mm-hmm. In this Job 42, 12, uh, 42 verses 12 through 16 as we prepare to wrap up. Job 42, verses 12 through 16. So the Lord blessed the last part of Job's life, more than the first. He owned 14,000 sheep and goats, 6,000 camels, 1,000 yoke of oxen, and 1,000 female donkeys. He also had seven sons and three daughters. He named his first daughter Jemima, his second Kaziah, and his third Karen Huckup. No women as beautiful as Job's daughters could be found in all the land. And their father granted them an inheritance with their brothers. Job lived 140 years after this and saw his children and their children to the fourth generation. Then Job died old and full of days. Mm. So what is the moral of the story of Job? It is that people must have faith in God even in adversity. See, we cannot know everything happening in the universe, and therefore we cannot know why certain things happen. However, this is exactly where our faith, our deeply rooted faith, that we exercise daily in God will sustain us in times of trial and circumstance. Amen. Amen. Thank y'all so very much. As I close this out, let me let me leave you with this. Jehovah Jireh, my provider, you are more than enough for me. By your stripes I have been set free. Jehovah Shammah, you are with me. You supply all my needs. You are more than enough. More than enough. More than enough, more 
Lord, he's more than enough. He's your all in all. And just keep your faith. Work your faith. Trust him, and he will supply every one of your needs. I love you. God bless you, and thank you. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. The exercise of faith. Even David was a man after God's own heart. Daniel was a man of excellent spirit. And Job was a righteous and a godly man. But still, they had to exercise powerful words. Glory to God. Well, hope you were blessed as well as I was. Talk to you next week. Anointed and Appointed Word Ministries with Brother Norman Woodard. God bless you. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.